Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. All right. Well, welcome to uh, Waste Expo's 2020 uh, virtual session of Rising Leaders Talking Trash. I am uh, Zach Martin, Vice President of Sales for Big Truck Rental. And we, we have a great group of panelists today here on the virtual, uh, virtual screen uh, that all have been awarded the prestigious 40 Under 40 Award uh, this year in 2020. The goal of this session for you, the audience, is to provide some insight into a career in the waste and recycling industry, as well as to get the perspective uh, from these rising stars on some key topics that are impacting the industry not only today, but into the future. Uh, in addition to highlighting the 40 under 40, did want to take a quick minute to talk a little bit about the FILA group. FILA is the Future Industry Leaders Alliance that is a part of the National Waste and Recycling Association. This group is made up of about 80 members across the U.S. and Canada of folks that have been identified by up and coming leaders within their organization. It's a great opportunity to network and get access to some awesome professional development uh, throughout the year. So if you have interest, we'd like to encourage you to uh, learn more about the group, apply to the group. You can do that in the resource section uh, of this webinar, as well as check out more details on the 40 under 40 group uh, in that same section. With that, uh, uh, in the uh, and on the panel today, we actually have a FILA member uh, and Josh Mann from Waste Management. We're going to go around the horn, have each one of you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit how you got started in the waste industry. So, Josh, you want to kick us off? Sure. Thanks, Zach. Uh, great to great to be here today. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, just glad that we can all get together and enjoy Waste Expo virtually uh, this year. Um, but uh, yeah, my name is Josh Mann. I'm the Public Sector Solutions Manager for Waste Management. Uh, it's kind of a fancy way of uh, saying um, I design and implement and manage uh, municipal uh, collection programs uh, here in Southern California. And uh, got about 120,000 individual customers spread over three counties. Uh, it's uh, exciting business here in Southern California. Um, I come to the industry actually uh, rather recently. Uh, my background is in economic development. I spent a lot of years assisting communities with uh, attracting and retaining uh, businesses, primarily uh, small and medium-sized uh, businesses to their, uh, their communities. I worked a little on tax incentives and um, really just had a uh, chance of a lifetime lunch with a, a friend of mine and she said, I got a career opportunity for you. And uh, here I am five years later. So very awesome. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so my name is Alexandria Corey. I am the director of capital and innovation at Refed. Um, <clears throat> Refed is a national nonprofit that works to accelerate solutions to food waste specifically. Um, in terms of how I got started in the waste industry, um, my background actually is in investment banking. Um, I had a handful of years also working on fair trade certification, specifically in the fresh produce industry. Um, and then the last uh, few years of my career, I've worked in the startup acceleration space. Um, 
about two and a half years ago when I joined Refed. Prior to that, I was actually living between Mexico and Chile. And um, as I was coming back to the States and looking for my next opportunity, I was thinking about the words of a recruiter um, that at one point had asked me, given my eclectic background here, um, what I was trying to do with my life. Did I want to make money or did I want to make an impact? <laughs> um, and, and honestly, in that moment, I realized two things. One, me and him probably weren't gonna get along very well. Um, but two, um, that you know, that was a really pivotal point in my career where I think given my personal aspirations, passions for wanting to make a difference in the world, I just vehemently rejected that notion that you had to be able to choose between making, a, making money, making a career and having an impact on the world. Um, so when I first started learning about Refed, it was really intriguing to me because the organization itself tries to motivate and mobilize the entire food system towards actions that fight food waste. Um, and it's a fantastic example of how you can both make money, and I'm not talking about on a personal level, of course, but food waste is just good for business. It helps save money for consumers. Um, I know Turner will talk a little bit about that too, um, but then also it just has a great impact both on a social level and an environmental level. So decided, like I said, two and a half years ago to kind of marry this finance background, um, food supply chain development and innovation experience um, at Refed. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Alex. That's a great, a great story. Uh, uh, Turner, how about you? Alex, I resonate with that so hard. Just avoid choice at all costs. That's just my life motto. Um, and thanks, everyone. I'm really happy to be here. My name is Turner Wyatt. I'm the CEO of the Upcycle Food Association. We're a nonprofit industry association with a mission of reducing food waste by growing the upcycled food economy. And I got my start in this whole world in um, the food rescue space. So um, collecting food that would otherwise go to waste from distributors, wholesalers, that sort of thing, and delivering it to low-income families in my hometown of Denver, Colorado. And um, got interested in, in upcycled food um, via a couple of realizations. Anyone who's ever worked in, in food rescue will tell you there's just a lot of stuff that you can't use or that you have a total overabundance of. But just because you can't redistribute, it doesn't mean it doesn't have value. And so, for example, bread, like the most overproduced um, thing out there, um, we started doing things like brewing it into bread, or excuse me, into beer, selling the beer to local restaurants and making money to support our general operations as a nonprofit. Um, realized, boy, you can make a lot of money this way. That really does a better job of, of you know, realizing the value of all this extra bread that we have versus just composting it. Um, so then kind of through that journey and, and meeting more people and exploring that idea more, it turns out that um, the entire food waste movement can, can be more consumer-based um, and therefore more economically sustainable, more scalable. And that's how I wound up in my current role as uh, CEO of the Upcycle Food Association. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Turner. Uh, well, with that, guys, let's, let's get started. And, and Turner, I'll come back to you as you've gotten into this business and uh, now the CEO of this organization. Have there been any mentors uh, that you could talk about and how did they maybe help you excel uh, in your in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think important to note, um, you know, coming from the, the food rescue space, um, I worked for an organization called Denver Food Rescue. I served as the executive director there for about seven years. And we had this philosophy that um, it's really it's not a philosophy. It's just a reckoning with reality that 
Um, Low-income communities and communities of color are the ones that are most impacted disproportionately so by environmental um, problems, including food waste, and um, and will, that will you know have the, the pay the most when uh, the effects of climate change come around and start impacting um, our communities around the world. And so, therefore, they deserve to have the greatest agency and control over creating solutions. Um, and so, we created a board of directors that was entirely driven by members of the community who um, we were partnering alongside to redistribute this food. Um, it was a pretty radical thing. I still to this day um, have not heard of a, a single other nonprofit board that was entirely uh, resident led, as we termed it. And I am entirely convinced that uh, most of the success that we had as an organization was directly related to the fact that we had this really strong um, ethic of resident leadership being deferential to those with lived experience of the problem that we're seeking to solve. Um, so that's kind of like my, my context, how I come into this. At my current role, it, I think that same philosophy has has um, taken hold within the upcycled world as well. You know, this association was created to solve the problems that, that upcycled food businesses experience and to streamline the industry and promote the industry and um, get more consumers exposed to upcycled food so that they can vote with their dollars to participate in the reduction of food waste every time they visit a grocery store. And okay, if we're trying to solve problems, the people with the best uh, knowledge of the problems are the ones with lived experience. Um, so the companies themselves. And so the board of directors at Upcycle Food Association similarly is made up of our member businesses who are everyone from um, pre-launch startups all the way up to publicly traded businesses who are engaged in upcycling food, realizing the value in food that slips through the cracks and elevating it to its highest and best use. Um, so that's that's kind of my, um, you know, who's been a great mentor for me is just being deferential to, okay. to those with the most lived experience over the years. Awesome. Awesome. Alex, you talked about kind of an aha moment, you know, on your in your career and making a choice. Is there, are there any mentors that you could share with the group that have helped you uh, grow in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, from my perspective, um, some of the best mentors that I've had, you know, all over the course of my career, I would say have been um, other women that have been um, surrounding me and have kind of shown me um, unique paths to um, kind of work on problems that really I think are going to make an impact on the world. Um, those women, kind of some of the things that I've learned from them um, are one, to always be curious and ask questions. So to your exact point, Zach, of, you know, when people present you with a choice and to your point, Turner, you know, questioning that choice and does it really need to, to be a choice? And I know particularly for women, um, there has been historically um, a sense that you know, we need to be making a choice in terms of career versus other things um, in our lives. And so to find strong um, mentors that are kind of having that lived experience, at least for me, and understand how to manage life and work, um, ask those questions, challenge norms, um, to me has been really powerful and has driven me to where I am right now, um, where I'm, you know, having a fantastic ride on this roller coaster that is food waste. Um, and fighting food waste. Um, and we've done so many great things over the last couple of years with Refed. Um, and I'm really grateful for those mentors that have kind of challenged me to keep asking questions, be curious, um, and really try to uncover opportunities in areas where people might be undervaluing. And I can't think of an industry that's more undervalued than food waste. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm very grateful for them. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Uh, and Josh, uh, what about you? You made the change from economic development uh, into the waste and recycling space. Uh, any mentors stand out to you over the course of your career? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think of my uh, kind of two uh, uh, two folks uh, in my leadership uh, team, uh, Doug Corcoran, who is uh, uh, entering his uh, third decade uh, in the industry. Uh, it really shows the breadth of what you can do. Um, he talked about that he uh, started out as the assistant to a trash picker at a landfill. And now he oversees uh, our, our entire uh, public sector group for all of Southern California. So just showing that the, the uh, upward mobility uh, and the breadth of what's available within the industry. Um, and then uh, Sandra Persley, uh, who I work with, she's another transplant. She came out of the home building industry. Um, and uh, just really been uh, exciting to work with her. Uh, you know, she's got a, a just a great mindset about how communities work. And um, I, you know, I find myself privileged to, to be able to work with some really incredible people. So yeah. awesome. I think that's one of the best things about our, our industry is that we've got this group of veterans that are willing to spend the time uh, with folks just like you. Uh, and help give you guidance and, and thoughts. And then our group that we're talking about today is providing a new perspective on uh, on the way of doing things, which is really having a dramatic impact uh, on, on the industry. And, and with that, Alex, you talked a little bit about maybe some of the things that you've started to see change. How, how do you think the industry will change over the next, say, five to 10 years uh, in the efforts that you're making? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm still, you know, early in my career here in waste, um, but hopefully it'll be a long uh, career. Um, but even over the last several years, I mean, I've started to see some changes um, and truly do believe there'll be even more changes coming in, in the near to uh, medium and long term. I think one of the biggest changes and most exciting changes that I'm starting to see in the space is, at least with food waste, um, there's this growing recognition that food waste is a major contributor to climate change. Um, and so I think that has major implications to the commitments that food businesses are making, that the actions that investors are taking, the policies that are being developed by our government um, and our officials there. Um, and for those of you who um, kind of work in the space, you'll be quite familiar with the uh, Project Drawdown report that came out this year that really quantifies um, food waste as the number one solution to climate change. So it's really putting food waste on the map in that um, area of focus, which I think will bring all new players into the space. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, and then, of course, like we can't talk about the future of um, this industry without referencing COVID, I would say. Um, and I'd be interested to see what Josh and Turner have to say about that, too. But, you know, particularly with our work, what we're thinking about there is that we need to be, of course, handling the, you know, major pressing challenges of the day. And in our world, that's how can we recover um, as much food, you know, otherwise wasted food as possible and make sure that's getting to people in need um, where, where possible. But we also need to be turning our attention a bit towards how do we build a more resilient food system? Um, because we know that things like this are going to come up in the future. Um, the challenges of our food system existed before COVID. They will exist after COVID. But we need to be thinking more collectively, not individualistically, as I think we're seeing with the pandemic, that's not really helping us to solve this challenge. So I'm hopeful over the next several years, um, a couple of really tangible things I'd like to see change. Um, one is just 
a connection of all of these disparate data sources that are out there right now that I think if brought together and were made to be more real time would really change the industry for the better. You know, let's talk about how much food waste is happening, but, you know, up to the minute, what does it look like? What type? How much? What does it need to be able to transport it? Does it need cold storage? That way we can ensure that it's, you know, being used to the best um, that it can be. Um, additionally, I would say I hope there's some more mapping of important infrastructure that we're able to do across the food system, um, because then we can make those smarter decisions about how to utilize existing capacity, but then also where new investments need to go to utilize, um, you know, that food even better. Um, and then to Turner's point, I mean, you know, our organization at ReFed, we've done a lot over the past couple of years around food rescue and hunger relief. And I think it is incredibly important that as we look towards building a more resilient food system, that we're really focused on putting um, these food insecure individuals at the center of the model, forming a human centered design approach to like getting that food to them. Um, because right now it's a system that considers them beneficiaries of grateful donors. And I just don't think that is the most dignified, convenient and efficient way to be working that system. So. Okay. Turner, do you have any thoughts on uh, some of the comments Alex shared? I, I of course agree with everything that Alex says. Um, you can't improve what you don't measure. So that was one thing that really came out of what you said, Alex. Um, you know, uh, when I started in this world like 10 years ago, looking into food rescue and food waste, um, it's really, like you said, it's been since, you know, about 10 years ago or so that this roller coaster um, and growth of food waste as an environmental solution and as a movement has really kind of ramped up. And back then, people weren't even measuring their food waste. Now they are. And so how do we put that data into play to help um, reduce the problem? Um, so I th I'm really excited about some of the work that ReFed is doing. Um, and we at Upcycle Food Association are really excited to contribute to that um, in productive ways to you know, get past the point where we're measuring and being more proactive. Okay, awesome. Josh, I mean, we're talking a little bit about food waste here with Alex and, and Turner. How has food waste, how is it impacting your role in the public sector role for waste management and the discussion from municipalities, residents, et cetera? What does that topic look like for you? Uh, it, it's exciting times. Um, you know, California is typically the, the leader uh, in uh, waste and recycling efforts, and uh, the uh, state is definitely championing uh, getting the organics out of out of landfills and uh, into much more productive uses. Uh, certainly, if there's an opportunity to recover uh, the the food before it goes to waste, um, that is that is job number one. So, I'm working with a lot of communities to strengthen uh, their ties to their local food banks and uh, shelters and uh, soup kitchen programs, because uh, really that is the the number one uh, way uh, to reduce food waste overall. Um, we're also working on designing those programs that, uh, you know, make best use of, of um, you know, the, the organics that we have for either composting or uh, energy production. And uh, it's, it's definitely a, a complex situation in the fact that um, the, the market is slowly responding. So we've got a lot more uh, material than we have capacity for right now, but uh, we're finally starting to see the shift. And um, I think you're going to see some really amazing things come out of California in the next couple of years with regards to curbing food waste. 
Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, Josh, to stick with you for a minute here, technology is something that uh, is ever changing at a rapid pace. How do you think technology uh, is changing the industry and what are some of the types of technologies that you see or you'd like to see in the future? Certainly, um, waste management is uh, been making huge strides in technology investments. So we're getting to see firsthand uh, the tools of the trade. Uh, I think early on, the technology was really supplemental to the industry, right? It was how we managed our, our billing or our customer data um, to where we are today, where it's really the backbone of how most industry companies operate. Um, you know, whether you're, you're in the hauling space or um, you know, processor or facility operator, um, or the many uh, uh, supportive companies uh, that make the world go round in the waste and recycling industry, uh, technology really is uh, you know, forefront in terms of what we're doing. Um, I, I can tell you that, that at waste management, that um, we're not, not only comping our competition within the industry, but we're comping the best of the best, you know, the, the Googles, the Apples uh, of the world for how can we do a better job of using technology to provide um, safe, reliable service to our customer. Um, I can tell you that the, the big thing for us that, uh, and I'm sure that uh, this is something that's rolling out really industry-wide is um, the use of uh, uh, GPS and uh, camera um, uh, cameras to basically capture every service uh, that we provide every single day. And ultimately, I think that that's where the industry is going. Um, you know, Amazon really uh, revolutionized how people um, track their goods um, that they purchase. And I think in the same way, there is going to be a shift in our industry from the collection side in terms of uh, being able to demonstrate uh, without a doubt that we've provided that safe, reliable service because you're going to get a service confirmation or you'll be able to, to get a, a service time window um, because the data is just that good uh, in terms of uh, what we can do today with, uh, with both GPS and cameras. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Alex, you talked about a need for data uh, in in your space. When you think about technology over the next several years, what are some things that you would like to see that maybe would help uh, provide some of that data? What are things that would be helpful for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, that's a lot of what we think about at Refed, which is you know we try to be um, this one stop shop data center for everyone to come to to understand what the size of the problem is, but also um, what are the most viable, scalable solutions to solving this problem of food waste. And in order to do that analysis, you need data coming in, right? So what are the economics of the various solutions? What's the ROI there, um, the economic impact, et cetera? So we think a lot about that. Um, and, you know, the solution providers that we track in this space have a lot to contribute, as well as the food businesses who are the ones that are actually adopting the solutions and thinking about, you know, is this an actual good investment for us? Is this really giving us the information that we need? Um, and hopefully going forward, you know, there will be this coalition of solution providers and food businesses that really want to um, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, anonymized, of course, not attributable data, but that data to be speaking to each other so that we can start to understand what those um, analyses and economics look like. Um, but very specifically on like a technology front um, around data, some food waste solutions that I'll mention just high level to Turner's point around like tracking and analytics. So absolutely more businesses are tracking and measuring their food waste. Um, but there are some innovators in the space that are helping businesses do that. 
Um, namely, I'll say an organization called Lean Path, another one called um, Wasteless that is doing that as well. So technologies like that um, are in the startup space, they're getting venture capital money, um, you know, and really working with big names like Ikea and others to help them do some of that data tracking and uh, measurement. Um, and then beyond that, I'll just say, given again, kind of the onset of COVID here, another technology and data space that I think is very interesting would be um, like online sales platforms. So the industry, you know, historically is a lot um, of pen and paper. It's a lot of phone calls, you know, behavior change is a very hard thing to make happen. But as we all move to kind of this digital economy, um, more online sales and platforms that allow for the transfer of food, I think that data collection and utilization will probably contribute as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned COVID. We could probably do an entire set <laughs> just on COVID uh, here related with our group. But let's shift gears to that for a minute. And Turner, let's, let's come to you. Um, regarding COVID, I guess, how, how has that impacted your work? And maybe what are some best practices that you've learned about or take in coming, hopefully coming out of COVID? So my, my favorite uh, thing that I've heard about COVID analysis over the last few months is that it just accelerated 10 years from now until today. Um, so I love thinking about it as a way of like just accelerating technology, accelerating the, the, the our solutions. Um, and, you know, it's it's about bringing us into uh, the future. When I like I said, when I started in this work in the food rescue space, I was literally getting as an 18 year old getting on my bike and going to grocery stores to pick up the food that they had that they were going to throw out and delivering it to uh shelters pretty low barrier to entry if you can participate in the single greatest solution to food to climate change on your bike as an 18 year old that's a pretty potent solution that's the low-hanging fruit where we were at and now we're kind of getting past that in the food waste um, movement the low-hanging fruit is no longer low-hanging we have to reach a little bit higher if we're going to come up with sort of the next generation of solutions and so that's why the work that alex is doing is so important of like providing the inf the intel that we need to um, to kind of get there. But um, so what does that look like as COVID, you know, COVID brought us 10 years into the future? What is 10 years down the line in the food waste movement? And I think it's, you know, filling in the gaps um, since the low hanging fruit is no longer there. This like obvious solutions, we have to be a little bit more creative to and think into, you know, where what are the types of food that are going to waste? Um, what are the things that we just weren't even thinking about before, you know, in terms of on-farm food loss and byproducts and recognizing that all of this food has tremendous value. A trillion dollars, more or less, of food goes to waste every year. Let's capitalize on that, frankly. Um, let's capitalize on that for the sake of the food rescue organizations, the people on their bikes and in their, and their volunteers' cars picking up food to better fund those operations but then also create a really strong financial incentive for businesses to reduce their byproducts by, um, by um, realizing the true value therein. Uh, we, have a, we have a saying um, in the upcycled world, the wasters of today are the ingredient suppliers of tomorrow. And so I guess, Zach, that, that means the haulers of today are the distributors of tomorrow? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> That's, you know, it's it's really all about what's happening tomorrow. In, in 10 years from now, it's, it's better assigning, better understanding, better realizing and elevating 
um, what's currently going to waste to its to its real value. Got it. Okay, Josh, how how has COVID impacted your your work at waste management? To answer your question, uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, something that has uh, caused our entire company to really rethink its uh, approach to um, to safety. I mean, safety is, is really job number one uh, here at Waste Management, and and you know, typically we're thinking about you know how do we how do we protect our employees and our customers from the physical things, right? The the, the vehicles, our heavy equipment, materials. Um, but COVID is really brought in this whole new layer of this, you know, invisible threat. And so, from that standpoint, that uh, uh, you know, remote working has become a, a, a very large component. So, uh, people like myself um, and our entire customer service team uh, is all transitioned to to a work from home situation. Uh, and then, for those uh, members of our team that basically have to show up to work every day because that's how the job gets done. Uh, coming up with those protocols that ensure that um, they're protecting themselves and the team that they work with. So, um, you know, it really has redefined uh, what safety means in terms of the industry. Um, and certainly from that standpoint, uh, I think that, that COVID has been a, a, a huge learning opportunity for everybody just to go back and rethink about your processes. And uh, it's something that probably is going to help us all in the end. So. Uh, it's been 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 a challenge, but we're we're up to it. Yeah. Okay. And and Josh, to your point of safety, Alex, in talking about COVID impacting uh, safety and maybe your your business or line of work, any thoughts you have on uh, what's happened there? Yeah. I mean, the, um, you know, refed itself. We kind of sit um, at a systems level and kind of look at all of the other players that are really on the front line. So Josh and his team that are actually doing the work, Turner, you know, all of his members that are actually turning that food waste into value-added products. Um, and then, of course, there are all of these food recovery organizations and hunger relief organizations that we also kind of monitor in the space. Um, I will say, you know, particularly in that space, um, food safety proper PPE has really become an important factor to making sure that food that is still edible can be um, provided to people in need. Um, but, you know, how really COVID, ha COVID has affected our work at Refed is, you know, going back to the data um, component to all of this, you know, at the beginning of the year, Refed was really focused on um, working on what we're calling our insights engine. So this is that living, breathing data center that we're gonna be launching in November, which is a generational leap from this roadmap we put out back in 2016. And so that was gonna be heads down working on that, you know, over the course of the year. And when COVID hit um, and we were looking at kind of our um, constituencies and all the stakeholders across the food system, something that we started to realize is that one of our main objectives, which was to catalyze more investment and smart investment into the space where it's needed, it wasn't happening as fast as, as was needed. Um, so we were trying to do one-on-one -on -one matchmaking to bring in money to the space to support organizations that needed it most. And ultimately what we ended up deciding and doing um, alongside continuing kind of our standard work that we had planned for the year is we launched a COVID-19 food waste solutions fund. So we kind of ideated on this and over the course of a two week period brought in, you know, our first dollars into the fund. Um, 
And really the point of it was just to be a one-stop rapid response vehicle to, you know, gather um, a whole group of donors and allow them to use refed and our expertise to push out money um, to frontline organizations that were fighting food waste and hunger relief. So, um, you know, you got to be kind of nimble in this environment. It really demonstrated to us at Refed that you, it's really important to understand your expertise, um, your skill set, and where you can really add the most value. And to the extent you have that capacity to kind of adjust and adapt um, where needed, um, it allowed us to, right now, I'm happy to say we've raised over $3.6 million for the fund. Um, and we've given that all out to more than 36 organizations. So, you know, it, it's changed our work very significantly. I had no idea we were going to do that at the beginning of the year, but I'm happy, you know, we had the the expertise and the resourcing to be able to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm, I'm not as familiar with the food waste space as you and Alex or you and Turner are, but you certainly just see... Uh, lines at food banks and given the current state of the economy just a challenging situation altogether it was already a challenge but just i think turner you said it's pushed it forward and accelerated it even more more that's created this challenge so the work you guys are doing is fantastic so we certainly appreciate uh the effort that you guys are putting in there i guess alex to kind of stay with you here what are some of maybe just the biggest the biggest opportunities if you just had to highlight a couple uh specific to the industry uh, that you serve? Yeah. Um, where do I start? <laughs> I think the biggest opportunity that we need to capitalize on probably is that I've heard individuals say, you know, that the food waste base in particular is, um, you know, where the clean energy sector was about 15, 20 years ago. And so how can we really start to focus all of the passionate individuals and in energy from food businesses and um, government agencies and solution providers and capital providers towards, you know, the highest and best use of their time, as well as their money. Um, because what we're finding is that in order to scale food waste solutions, it's going to take billions of dollars of financing across public, private and philanthropic capital sources. So we really need to be thinking about how do we, you know, keep this space sexy, really, you know, demonstrate that there is value to be had um, and returns to be had in this space, not just economic, like I said, but social and environmental. Um, and, you know, I think besides that, um, there's a, a real opportunity for pre-competitive um, collaboration in this space. So, you know, sometimes I hear conversations around how, well, food waste prevention is um, contrary to food waste recovery, because if you prevent it all, you're not going to have food to recover. And I just think, you know, and then that says nothing about the recycling space, right? So all three of us on the line, I think we'd probably all agree that there is, it's, we're more related to each other than not. And we really need to be thinking pre-competitively about how to just deal with the food system and use the food for its highest and best use. No passing judgment on where it needs to go in the hierarchy, but just making sure that it goes to that highest and best use. But that will take coordination. Yeah, it makes makes total sense really to create the, for the lack of a better term, the ideal kind of supply chain or food chain, um, and then figure out everybody's responsibilities kind of with within that. Turner, any additional uh, commentary to Alice's points? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is a supply chain. It's absolutely a supply chain, and that we're trying to optimize here. Um, you know, and it, you know, the end of the supply chain is the consumer. Um, that that is sort of the the one space I think where the biggest opportunity is is that you know yeah so far there has been so much philanthropic support of um, reduction of food waste and that's so important because there's just some models that um, are 
super effective at producing a really high social or and or environmental return on investment. Um, and the, the way that we support that and produce those outcomes is through philanthropic dollars. And then there are other types, um, sources of, of food, really high value that have the opportunity to um, produce a, a financial return on investment. Um, for those ones, let's engage with the consumer in a new way to put them in the driver's seat to the solution. Food waste is this magical place that everyone agrees is really important. 95, one of our associate members, uh, Mattson, product developer out of California, has um, did a study last year. They found 95% of people want to reduce food waste. That's incredible. Those are, you know, first of all, who are the 5%? Who are those people, <laughs> those monsters? Um, but really, the 95%, I mean, the vast majority of people really care about this issue, and it also happens to be the most effective. Um, you know, come on, that's something that should really resonate within consumers. Let's get them to fund it. You know, the masses, if, it, if this is something that 95% of people agree on, then 95% of people should be putting their money into creating the solution. Well, the problem is right now, they don't have the opportunity to put their money into this solution necessarily. I mean, they can they can make donations to um, the, the nonprofit organizations, um, that are in the, you know, the in, in Refed's Insights Engine, they can choose to you know do business with uh, one hauler over another that has better practices. Um, but you know, let's give them the opportunity to uh, align their their food purchases with their values, um, and that's really what increasing access um, and demand for upcycled food is is all about. Got it. Okay. Well, Turner, to stay with you for a second, what what do you think is the biggest misconception about uh, what you do when maybe you talk to someone that's not in the space? I think the, the biggest misconception is sort of the general tendency that people have um, to call waste waste, right? And it's no fault of anyone's because, the, you know, we all, this industry and the, the lexicon um, that we use predates all of us. Um, and that's what I'm really excited to, to be a part of changing. And I think everyone on this call agrees that, you know, we gotta, we have to kind of redefine things. It's cause it's not waste. I mean, it's a, it's a misnomer. Um, and so how can we use our collective genius and the different people that we're engaging with to, um, not redefine properly define waste. Um, and so the biggest, you know, in some ways, of course, the biggest um, misconception is the biggest opportunity because I think when we you have that paradigm shift and you get people to stop thinking about waste as worthless um, and start thinking about it as, you know, a big opportunity um, because it's, it's it, like Alex said, it's, you know, the fact that it's going to waste right now but has tremendous value shows you that um, there, there probably is less competition. And so in terms of you know, young people, entrepreneurs um, who want to make a make a lot of money and do something really great for the environment. This is a place where you can be a vanguard um, of something totally new and, and yeah. super impactful. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point, Turner. One of the goals I'd say of today is highlighting some of the great work that you guys are doing within the industry, um, because the waste space gets this reputation. And it can create challenges for companies to recruit young, talented folks out of school because it does have this misnomer. I mean, certainly didn't graduate college personally for me and say, 
I want to work uh, in the waste space. You know, I didn't even know anything about it. I just, uh, you know, thought the trash fairy picked up, uh, picked up the items, you know, every week. Um, so I think you bring up a great, a great point. Um, and, and that's part of today's discussion is just highlighting uh, all of these things that impact this great big supply chain that, that we're working in. I think to that point, Josh, you know, what advice would you give someone uh, that's interested in having a career in our industry? Yeah, certainly. <clears throat> um, I, I think there's really three things that uh, that I'd love to highlight. Uh, the first being is, like you mentioned, uh, you don't have to be an expert to get started. Uh, the waste and recycling industry has got a lot of opportunity out there. And I think if you're motivated and willing to learn that, you know, it, it, <clears throat> really the, the opportunities are endless. Um, the, the second thing I, I think is important to mention is, is that uh, whatever your education or your skill set, um, the industry probably needs you. So um, we're at a point kind of what we talked about earlier with, with the fact that the engineers and programmers are as essential as drivers and mechanics, that, that it really is a, a pretty you know, diverse uh, industry in terms of, of uh, companies and what they do. and. Uh, so really is a lot of great opportunities for those folks that maybe don't think, you know, I'm, you know, I don't have the skill set for the industry. Believe me, you probably do. Um, but the last thing I, I would probably mention is, is that the industry has really, uh, and it's, it's evolving quickly. Um, and that, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> what I see is, is companies have, have really shifted into gear of hiring the best of the best. That's uh, regardless of, of your background, who you are, that if you are the best person for that job, that's who they're looking for. And what a great part about great parts about that is, is that um, you end up with this great diversity of, of, of you know, backgrounds and um, you know, mindsets and ideas. And, uh, you know, to, to your point uh, at the start of the call talking about Fila, um, I am constantly amazed at uh, the group uh, when it comes together. Uh, just the the breadth of the um, you know the diversity uh, and and um, the different backgrounds and the different companies and the different ideas and uh, really does speak to uh, where the industry is headed and I, so I, like I said I think the opportunities are really endless uh, for someone who's who's getting ready to jump in. Yeah, agreed. Turner, let me come back to you for uh, one quick second. You've had you've had obviously a passion uh, for your business and for uh, food, you know, at a, since a very young age, what advice would you give someone that's maybe interested in having a career uh, in this space? Yeah, I think a lot of what Josh said resonates, like start where you're at. The full transparency of the way that I got involved in this, uh, in this industry is taking an internship in undergrad, um, unpaid internship to do whatever they needed me to do. Um, which a lot of the time was, you know, like I said, getting on my bike literally and schlepping food around. Um, and I, you know, I think that that is, um, an important thing to keep in mind of like, yeah, this, this space is, um, ripe for transformation. Um, and therefore there's no real clear corporate ladder to that. You're just going to march your way up. Um, as a as a recent grad or as a you know person trying to get into this industry regardless and um therefore it you know just to kind of 
be honest with yourself about where you're at and that that is the perfect place to start. Totally acceptable, perfect place to start wherever you're at. Awesome. And Alex, as you were making that decision at that pivotal moment in your career, what is, uh, what's one thing you wish you would have known uh, about the space before uh, making that, that change? Yeah, um, maybe the question is meant to kind of be caution, a cautionary tale of, of things that I wish I'd known. Um, I'm not sure that I have too much of a cautionary tale, but just the one thing that really comes to mind, maybe there'll be a couple things, but um, the one thing that really comes to mind to me, at least um, when we're talking about food waste or otherwise wasted food or sparks, as Thomas McQuillan will call it at Baldor or surplus food, which Turner, I love that you kind of brought up the the comment about just changing the way we talk about and use the language in this space. So if anybody has a great solution for that, we at Refed continue to look for it. So just uh, want to call that out. But, you know, the thing that I've started to realize is that working in this industry, at least to me, um, is a never ending learning journey. Um, and there are so many players involved because it really is this food system, it's a food chain. We're talking about, you know, from farm all the way down to consumers. There's a lot of nuances um, all along that value chain. And so for me, um, I mean, I guess I didn't think that the industry wouldn't have something to teach me, but I am realizing quite quickly that I'm not sure I will ever have learned all of it. And at least to me, that's very interesting. It will, I feel it will keep me engaged in the space. Um, so that's something I kind of wish I'd known at the front end, but you know, what would I have done differently? I'm not quite sure. But um, the other thing I'll just mention is, um, at least particular to this space, um, is that it's a little bit more challenging because there's no one specific owner often of the problem of waste. So um, particularly when we're talking about food waste, I will say, um, and maybe that stands for other waste channels, but, you know, within a food business, um, it's not often on someone's PL to reduce the food waste. It's not on their final year-end review, how much food waste did you cut for the organization? So you're often having to think about solutions um, that go cross-function or that are building coalitions or working with the top to get buy-in down below. Um, that can often present a challenge, but also an opportunity, I think, there. So as long as you're a person that, you know, likes to build coalition, likes, you know, action and um, solving challenges and then you really are not trying to ever stop learning i think this is the industry for you awesome awesome well i think you know what's been great about this session that we've had today is that we've talked about uh food waste which there's such a huge challenge but such a huge opportunity to impact uh people impact community um, and I hope that this platform continues to get the word out about the challenge that's out there, um, to your point, and bring some attention to it, Alex. And, you know, I, I, I think I thank you guys for the time today and think about this is such a great opportunity for folks to have a longstanding career and impact on community, the environment. Um, and you don't have to make that decision at, that Alex talked about at the beginning because you can absolutely do both uh, within this space. Before we wrap up, are there any closing comments that anyone uh, would like to make that maybe didn't get to make throughout the discussion today? We good? No, thanks, Zach. Yeah. Great job. Thanks. Yeah. For, thanks the only for thing I can say is, is that uh, if, if I known the industry was going to be as exciting and as challenging uh, as it is, I would have started sooner. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I've had a blast. 
That's actually one of the things I was going to say, Josh, is like the one thing I wish I'd known is that this industry existed, you know, to, yeah. to the point earlier. I didn't even know that there was a waste industry. You know, I just thought my stuff went somewhere and someone dealt with it and yeah. it wasn't even a thing, you know, so that's a great point, Josh. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Well, thank you guys for participating today. It was a great panel. Uh, appreciate everyone for attending virtually here. There will be a short survey following the session. Appreciate your feedback. And then uh, mark your calendar for Waste Expo 2021. That is slated for in-person uh, April 26th through 29th in Las Vegas of next year. Stay well and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.